are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Will the imitation Scotsman please step up for a round of fisticuffs? <laughs> hey, I'm ready. Yeah. Right foot back. <laughs> Begins with a U. It ends with an A. Has a meal dish up there. Monday Night Raw, number one. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. As the other Cultaholic lads while away time in their isolation station, maybe Jack is writing up the wrestlers of the week. Maybe Sam is editing an amazing video on the epic encounter between Clowns R Us and the Royal Family for release on a Sunday. Maybe Adam Pacito is... Adam Pacito, that's his name now. Maybe Adam Pacito is gambling our wages away on online bingo via Twitch. Whatever they're doing, we are here via our Icon Pro Power DeLorean, nowhere near wrestlers of the week, not editing a classic video, nor gambling online. Instead, we are heading headlong into the heady world of a hedonistic 1995 in wrestling. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell, live via Isolation Station 24601. I am joined by the bear in the big blue bar cage, Titan Shrugged of Cultaholic, the head pen of Cultaholic. He does not require a pencil. For pencils have been drafted to wrestle talk. He needs a pen because he gets it right every time. He is Justin Henry and he is out of off of America. How you doing there, Tommy? Doing all right over here. Thank you, sir. It is a Monday afternoon when we record uh, this podcast. It is pouring down with rain here in the UK, as it's one to do. And we are imminently waiting an announcement about whether or not we're going to get locked even further down here in our part of the UK as uh, we continue to battle silliness with the coronavirus. But more importantly, how are you today, sir? I'm doing pretty good, actually. We have a bit of rain here ourselves. It's um, we had the remnants of a co- 
of a Gulf of Mexico hurricane that came up through, through over, the, over the preceding days, and we're just dealing with a bit of the rain from it right now. You always seem super chill, despite the fact that your country is just as on fire as ours. It's kind of a default for me, more or less. <laughs> We'd like to thank our friend from the Cold Holic Classic Smackdown review, Matthew Alberto Gregg, for joining us to watch Royal Rumble 1995. That was my first time watching Rumble 95 the other week, and I didn't think it was a bad show. I, I genuinely enjoyed it. Okay, first things first. Is that his real middle name? <laughs> I may or may not be. <laughs> well, I suppose it could be now. It is now. That's why he's always plugging Magfest because it's his initials. Exactly, it's a festival all about him, the arrogant prick. How about that? Uh, yeah, but as far as Rumble '95 goes, as I said going in, it, it was a pretty good show. One that sort of a. Uh, Overachieved in spite of his hindered circumstances. It's not been terrible. Oh, just you wait. Oh. <laughs> We're going to get into uh, the post rumble world of World Wrestling Federation in just a moment. Where and when are we this week, Justin? Well, obviously, this is the night after the Royal Rumble. It is Monday, January 23rd, 1995. We are live from the Manatee Civic Center in Palmetto, Florida. I had to rewind that when uh, they said it on the show because I thought, it sounds like he just said he's from the Manatee Center. And that's ridiculous. There's no such place. And it is the Manatee Center. Well, I mean, it's uh, Manatee's... Or Wikipedia is now known as the Bradenton Area Convention Center, which is nowhere near as fun. Ooh, as rubbish that is. I prefer the Manatee. Why not name it after the mighty Manatee? Is that a football-based reference in the in the area? Uh, no, it's actually because it's based in Manatee County, Florida. Uh, is that where manatees all live? I think so. That's where they so they congregate and have like their mecca. Excellent. If only somebody could bring that to life for us. Um, Ian. <laughs> John got really jealous the other week when I called out a different name to do a photo hey, job. Yeah. Un un understandable discount, Ian. <laughs> Have we talked about um, Photoshop John's other life? Is he the Green River Killer? He probably is that as well. But as well as that... Um, <laughs> He he's a contributor to another radio show. Ah yes, do tell. So, um, if you are an Australian listener and you partake in the Christian O'Connell show on Gold one hundred four point three, good taste by the way. OC is one of our ours, and you well, you know, I miss him, but he's doing great things for you in radio over there. So wonderful stuff. And if you're familiar with. Uh, OC and he does Misheard Lyric Monday, Misheard Mondays. There's a contributor to that regular called Big John, and that Big John is our John. That is Photoshop John Eiley. So if you happen to be uh, in the niche of classic raw review based podcasts and Australian commercial radio playing classics, then Photoshop John is the is the bridge for you from those. I, I listened to an episode of their podcast again recently, and uh, heard the shout out for Big John, and it just gives me warm and fuzzies just to hear our boy do it so well. 
he's a big star on three continents. He re- he's a star all over the world, is John Eiley. He truly is. But hey, look, we're not here to talk about John, although he is doing some wonderful work. He's about to create uh, a town of manatees for me. Thank you, John. Um, <laughs> before we go into I love the presumption, hey, of course he is. Thank you, John. Love you, John. Um, he, before we go into the rigors of uh, this week's episode of Raw, just a few notes from the Wrestling Observer. Hogan's been gobbing off, Justin. Gobbing off, you say? He's been gobbing off. So uh, he was in the Tampa Tribune on the 20th of this month, and he was asked about WWF's new generation, and he said the following, quote, You can take these cuties, these bodybuilders, these ultimate warrior type guys. They break a nail. They bruise a rib. They don't want to wrestle. They're taking athletes right out of school, out of college, and they paint their faces up and say they're a wrestler. This new generation of wrestlers is a complete ripoff of the guys from the old school. This is after Renegade debuted. Well, Tom, you may be surprised to learn this, but... Hulk Hogan is full of shit. <laughs> he could be a great politician. That should you know, have been the sad part there. is, there's so many things he could have criticized had he, you know, actually like watched a couple episodes of Raw. So, I, I mean, I understand that Hogan only really cares about himself and maybe sometimes his friends. But really, when you... like, Okay, there's just so much wrong with the sentence here. Bodybuilder types... Okay, besides Luger and Bulldog, who actually has that physique in WWE at this point? See, Luger, Bulldog, well, Bundy, obviously. I mean, the man is, is ripped to shreds. Okay. Uh, Mantar. <laughs> <laughs> um, there isn't many. They're, they've ruled them all out. Also, Mantar, I believe, is the only one who's painted his face up to any degree, and I doubt Hogan's even seen him. Do you think Hogan was just accidentally watching Nitro? Or watching well, the, WCW Saturday Night, rather. I think Hogan was just pulling stuff out of his ass cause, because he figured the reporter didn't know any better. <laughs> that might be it, actually. No fact checkers or anything like that. It's just Hogan just trying to sound cool and like, well, he he's he's probably a bit bummed out that he eventually showed that he didn't need him, and even though he's making a lot of money and has a lot of power in WCW, it's still a blow to your ego when. When your old boss says, I'm just going to move on without you. You can tell that the animosity goes both ways. Vince McMahon made a statement regarding Hulk Hogan. I believe it was after the Hogan statement was made. And this comes from Associated Press. Vince said the following on Hulk Hogan. Quote, I don't care how skinny he became or how much hair he lost. He always had that one good match left. He could be 20 steps behind as long as he still maintained that persona, as long as he was in good stead with everyone. He should have left a legacy here that was built, that could have lasted. He used to say Hulkamania will live forever. Well, it could have, but that wasn't what he wanted. He wanted to be in the spotlight. Ego, I believe, got the best of him, and he wanted to be in the spotlight more than ever. It's just, it doesn't feel like a promoter and a wrestler like digging on each other. This feels like a lover's squabble. God, there's more backhanding there than the Three Stooges short. <laughs> but, yeah, that's just, you know, these two guys just can't shut their mouths about each other because because they can't back down. They feel like they've lost something and they don't have the upper hand. And that's Vince. He can't ever let somebody else win. Absolutely not. And it's just, I think this, this, this pettiness will continue for many years and they will bring it to the forefront in 2003 and make it part of a storyline. So that'd be quite fun when we get there. 
it's why when Jesse Ventura won in court, we had all those years of Ventura's voice not appearing on on videotapes and stuff because because Vince won't pay him royalties because that would admit that he lost. Can you imagine like the, like imagine if it was your job to edit Jesse Ventura out of years and years of WCW tapes because and you're and you know you're doing a job essentially you're acting out the whims of a petty Vince McMahon squabble I feel like I was driving the getaway car <laughs> that's what it feels like that's what it feels like um meanwhile in dub c dub uh Mark Madden nearly got sacked did he really? Mm-hmm. So, uh, while well, in the midst of promoting uh, a, a WCW show coming up, Eric Bischoff threatened Madden with a firing on the 900 line, supposedly for reporting that Lex Luger would be coming to WCW, but probably as much for him discussing on their line the possibility of Vader shooting on Hogan and then discounting the possibility. So, Madden's been talking up a storm here about Hogan and Vader's rivalry possibly becoming a shoot, brother, and he drops into conversations well about Lex Luger making Making the jump and Bischoff is not a happy camper. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, and I know, Luger is definitely not going to jump ship at WCW in 1995. Absolutely I mean, not. But the funny thing about this is that idea apparently wasn't even in the offing yet. It's like Madden stumbled upon the ultimate, uh, you know, ultimate coup like eight months early. Because even even Luger had no designs about leaving then. Sting had no designs about, about his friend leaving. Bischoff had no idea of even including him. We didn't even have Nitro yet. It's 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 a it's a, a good shout by Madden that we that in hindsight really is a good a good shout. Um, shout in the dark. Meltz even Meltzer says here there doesn't appear to be any truth whatsoever in regards to the Luger story. However, since the WCW hotline gained attention when Gene Oakland started hinting that Bret Hart and Yokozuna were going to jump, the new thing has been to say people are leaving, even if it isn't true, which has happened half a dozen times in the past few weeks. Even after a Madden, uh, even after Madden was reprimanded for doing the same thing. Gene Oakland, a few days later, on his hotline, talked about rumours of Lex Luger coming in and also teased that Ric Flair and Roddy Piper uh, will be featured on television, which would mean Piper jumping as well. Uh, it's... It's it's hilarious. Like, the the rule... It's just the, the rule under themselves when it comes to these hotlines. I'll just wait 25 years when we get to the whole so-and-so asked for the release this week when AEW starts up and... Oh... Will they do? Will they do that? Will they? Will they sort of take their own? I guess they will, won't they? Like they want to control the narrative. In what sense? Well, in the sense that WWE would like to control the narrative. That was the whole thing of backstage. It was an attempt to control the narrative. Where it's there, they would talk about injuries and signings and people coming and going from the company. It's not. It's not giving the dirt sheets the the scoop. It's them breaking their own news. Whether AEW would be, you know, considered to do well, considering doing something similar. Oh, I was more referring to the idea that you know. Most are pointing out, you know, how, how the big thing now is, is stories of people leaving and how they, and how that gets everybody into a tizzy and gets them all excited. I'm just saying that it's still true a quarter century later. It's the idea that who's going to jump to AEW? And actually, yeah, that's like, very like, true. Like, oh, the revival asked for their release. So Sasha asked for her release, or she wants out, and all of a sudden, oh, Dean Ambrose is giving his notice, and it just becomes a big thing. 
That's true, actually. The idea that somebody leaving to join the other team is still very much a talking point in wrestling, as much as it was then, as it still is now. By the way, you mentioned Sasha Banks having in a notice. What do you know that we don't? No, I'm saying back then, there were stories that she wanted out, but it was either she was just unhappy at the time and ultimately settled and wanted to stay, or she was leveraging for a better deal, which, if it's the latter, good for her. That's why you have a competitor. Uh, one other thing of note, really, it's a quite quiet week on the Observer front. Uh, Super Luchas magazine printed graphic photos of Liz Mark Jr.'s surgery from a few weeks back. He was having broken bones repaired in his legs, and according to Meltzer, they are the most graphic and gruesome photos anyone has ever seen. I don't know whether you're familiar with this story. I have not, but now I'm going to do a quick Google image search. <laughs> Justin is going to Google the graphic and gruesome surgery photos so I don't have to. What Mark guy. Jr. injury photos is is this a thing? Because chances are somebody out there would have this. It was in the Luchas magazine and everything, apparently. Let's see, nothing comes up from that. Let me add 1995 to it, and turns up nothing, unfortunately. Well, Meltz is lying. <laughs> well, oh, they were so clearly. gruesome they never got published. Um, it may have been a, um, a, a fever dream. <laughs> I, um, I've been taking, um, lots of, uh, lots of, um, uh, melatonin supplements, um, lately. And, um, I have had some weird dreams, like the one where, um, where a Paul Bosch, he, um, he actually chases me with a spear gun. And he keeps calling me White Whale, and I um, I don't know what he means by that. <laughs> I think I think maybe he thinks I'm Moby Dick. I I, I don't I, I don't. Well, I mean I'm I'm I mean I mean Brian, I'm, I'm obviously not a whale. <laughs> I think we I, I think we need to. I never um, said you were a whale. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm definitely not a whale. Definitely not a whale. Um, Imagine Paul Bosch thinking that you're a whale. Yeah, but I'm but you know I'm not a whale. That, that's that's the point I'm trying to make here. Right. But don't you I'm say plans change? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, plans definitely change. Um, <laughs> I like the idea of of Dave Meltzer taking a whole bunch of pain meds for something and getting confused between fantasy and reality and going on Observer and it's like he starts saying things along the lines of, "Yeah, Cedric Alexander. Well, he's going to turn into an eagle and fly out of the venue." Uh, they they filmed something just the other day. They uploaded it. <laughs> it's he turns to an eagle and flies out the. Uh, I don't know why it's, they're doing it. <laughs> it actually reminds me. Some years ago, there was a baseball announcer named Dave Barnett. He did, he did commentary for the Texas Rangers, and in the middle of a game, he had some sort of. It wasn't a stroke, but he had some sort of like weird mental episode where he just started babbling about stuff that made no sense. But he he maintained his professional announcer's voice the entire time. Wow! Like, 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 uh, I I watched it enough times where, where I can almost quote it exactly because it's so bizarre. And I've shown it to a lot of people. He says someone lines up, and the tying run is at fifth on what Adams is calling a botched robbery. What <laughs> actually happened was his henchman took a piece literally out of, and then they cut his mic off. And he oh. said. And he said he has no memory of saying any of those things. That's incredible. That must have been so really from, eerie, like, it was pulled you out of the moment. 
it was like a weird migraine type thing. It was just something that it just it affected like his his oral sensibilities or whatever, and it just screwed him up. And he has no idea that he even did that. Gosh, that's incredible. But the weird thing is, he 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 he, he maintained his actual like his voice, like the, you know the professional announcer's voice the whole time. He still sounded like this and. It's the weirdest thing. Consummate pro. Big fan. Big Boy, how do we fan. get on this? Um, <laughs> I think the idea of Meltzer having, uh, having a wild time on a lot of drugs. Well, speaking of things that, you know, speaking of wild times of all the drugs, let's get the mid-90s WWF. Yay! Let's, conjure, conjure. Let's conjure do it. Here. <laughs> let's do it, do it, do it. Um, so, actually, at the start of this episode of Raw, those were all my notes, by the way, but um, I got some notes from the Raw taping that, that happened beforehand. Okay. Uh, just some just some bits to say. Um, before the cameras went on, they opened with Hakushi and Shinja insulting everyone, just to make sure they got a heel reaction later on in the taping. Uh, we also had Luger and Tatonka in a dark match opener. Well... That's how it should have been. Dark match. Yeah, <laughs> stick him in a dark match. So that was how we started the thing. But then we go into this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. So we throw it to Justin Henri. Well, I, I had it was kind of a bad omen for this show when I loaded the rumble up, and the description read, with the very first sentence, the one that's supposed to hook you on wanting to watch the show in your spare time. It says, "Todd Pettengill recaps the Royal Rumble." <laughs> What a hook! It's it's a, it's not the strongest, and it's like it's pre-taped stuff. It's stuff that they they clearly taped after the rumble in the venue where the rumble was held. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> so we start off with with a very cold, static shot of Vincent ringside, and microphone in hand. He he apologized to the camera for for what Scott Bam Bam Bigelow did last night to Lawrence Taylor. And it informs us that Bayman has been suspended for 30 days without pay. <laughs> really building up this match for WrestleMania 11. Very serious tones from Vince. This comes because quite a few people contacted WWE and Vince because they thought it was a, a shoot. They thought that Bam Bam shoving Lawrence Taylor was for real. And and also uh, the, even Meltzer, who who has the quote unquote smarter fan base, even he was getting contact saying, "Did Bayman shove LT for real?" Meltzer was a little bit off the um, off the mark with a few things at the Rumble. One of them being Pamela Anderson. We talked about it a bit in the podcast, the watch along. But it's the mm-hmm. whole thing that uh, Meltzer really goes to town on on WWE for not prepping Pamela Anderson enough uh, for the show, which is why when she was out there with Shawn Michaels, she looked uncomfortable. But as you discovered, that was the plan all along. I think that's what Matthew pointed out. Actually, where um. Cool. That's what Matthew said. He heard from uh, Bruce Pritchard's um, some of the wrestle on, on this whole escapade was that Pam is supposed to be like unsure of uh, unsure of Sean because he's um, you know he he's a little bit too forward with her, so that's why she's going to ultimately. Well, I don't want to spoil too much, but she doesn't really show up with him at WrestleMania because she's had enough of him. But there's also some real, also apparently a, a real life element to it that we'll get to when it comes up. Okay, we'll we'll touch on that. But either way, like there was some, it was it wasn't as as bad as Meltzer thought it was. 
Well, I mean, to be fair, Pam is not a great actress by any means. How dare you? Barb Wire was a, was a piece of work. It's a, it's a piece it's of a, art. It's a piece of something. <laughs> but yeah, it, it wasn't really the best segment that, uh, that you could have possibly had, unfortunately. But it worked well enough. I mean, at least she was there and the crowd seemed interested in her and it was what it was. Speaking of Sean... Usually he's our, our color commentator on this show, and this is no exception. He gets a grand entrance after winning the Royal Rumble on Sunday night, as he should, because it'd be kind of weird just to have the Rumble winner show up next to the next to Vince on commentary without any sort of entrance at all. Do you feel like he should have stayed on commentary? Well, he's the most interesting part of this show. So he's as long as he's there the entire time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I kind of feel like they should have been like I kind of partly think they should have been like his move away from commentary but then I guess there were bits tonight where it was great to have him there just ragging <laughs> on other people and just putting himself over constantly it made sense well, well over time he will he, he will migrate away from commentary and it's just for right now they're using this as, as sort of a conduit to help build the world title match and it's necessary because Sean could put over anything and a WrestleMania feud you know that's sort of a Putting his magic touch on it will make it seem even grander. Mm-hmm. So Sean gets his entrance. He, he kind of dances on Vince a little bit. Sean t- tells us he t- says he told us so, and Vince even mouths it along with him, which is kind of funny. Then Sean talks about Pam a lot, which rhymes with spam a lot. Which <laughs> I was gonna. I, was, <laughs> I thought you were gonna start break into where the Knights of Camelot. From Holy Grail. <laughs> We're the Knights of Camelot. We'd like to talk about Pamela. <laughs> John! Yes. We need Sean. We need Sean slaying the Black Knight. <laughs> Thank you, John. So Sean discusses Pamela Anderson, talks about how she's going to go in, in a mania with him as a challenger. And when he leaves the champ, she's still going to be with him. So Sean is showing the amorous heartbreak kid side here. This will come into play later. But to kick things off tonight, we have a tag team title match. New champions, the one, two, three kid and Bob Holly, defending against a team who was taken out of the tournament with a rodeo injury, the smoking guns. Nice. What a sense. Yeah. I mean, this is, there was some hype to this because obviously the winner of the, the winner of the rumble of the tournament was going to face these guys on Raw, so they built this up quite nicely. Well, yes, it's uh, it's two babyface teams. You have the underdog duo of Kid and Holly, who the Cinderella team who made it through the tournament and beat the big guys in the end. And then you have the Guns, who are like the one of the few steady teams that you could actually push in this time period. Even, even if the cowboy gimmick is kind of a maybe a bit of a hindrance for a northeastern audience. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it feels like a Vince McMahon type gimmick. I think Vince, there's a certain number of things that Vince always likes in circulation, and like one of them is a cowboy gimmick. Plus the hog farmers and the and the Samoans that you can't headbutt. Yeah, something just don't go out of style. <laughs> in Vince's mind, so we get handshakes galore to start, as well as a WF superstar line plug. With the number bl- blotted out because it's, it's probably an adult uh, theme number now, for all we know. Yeah, I think it's it's better to 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 scrub that just in case somebody tries to ring it. 
It's probably Penny on the other end. <laughs> Moose! Moose! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm working stiff, Penny. <laughs> we miss you, Ross. See you soon, mate. Uh, God bless you, Ross. One of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> how, how did Adam stay quiet the whole time? Anyway, speaking of true baby faces, we have... Um, we start with a with Holly and Billy Gunn having a spirited sequence. As, as I realized, this is part of the hardcore title match at WrestleMania 15 four years later. Oh my god, it is! In fact, in this god. match, you have half of DX, and you had the new Midnight Express just on opposite teams. Jeez, it is! I know, that never even crossed my mind. Bloody hell! <laughs> Everyone in this match looks different in a few years. <laughs> That's incredible. Isn't it? This is just like... And half of this match will be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and... One from each well, side. I mean, Bart should be in. He won the Brawl for all, for Christ's sake. Bart's a shoo-in any time now. Any time now, we're putting Bart in the Hall of Fame. So we... So Kid comes in, he puts Bart in the exaggerated headlock where he, where he pumps it about ten times in rapid-fire fashion. We get some uh, missed moves here. We get the standoff. Sean does the steer to the rear comment again about Bart and Vince agrees, which is kind of funny. He <laughs> was just playing along with what Sean says at this point. It was Vince's idea to, for them to be written out that way. Yeah, I steer there. That's hilarious. <laughs> Good shit, pal. <laughs> The first truly cool move of this match is when Bart makes a blind tag to Billy, runs off the ropes. He goes for a sunset flip on Holly, but, he, he, but it's not a pinfall attempt because he's, he, he's not legal anymore. So he's just uh, he's holding the legs in place for, for, for Billy to run behind Holly and hit a, hit this awesome bulldog. So, Bart, so, so Holly can't move his legs at all, and Billy just plants him right on his face. Good move. Nice. Guns take over, tandem press slam on Bob. Bob avoids the, the sidewinder. He pushes Bart and rips the crotch Billy. Holly and Kid get a double superplex on Billy for two. There's a lot going on early in this match here. It's a, it's a, do you know what? This is a great match. This is, and, and uh, you, you'll, you'll continue to talk us through it, and it's lovely to hear this bit back. But it's a great match. Really hot way to start Raw. Babyface tag team's just going for it. If I had one criticism of it, it's that no one truly played the heel in this match until until very very late. Yeah, there was there I, there was some flickers from the champ side, but that was quite late on. So it, it was a bit oddly structured. It didn't have that normal nor, normal TV match flow to it, but it was still it was still an enjoyable match for what it was. Yeah. Vince at one point says says it's probably not wise to exchange punches with the smoking guns. Well, one of them anyway. They are they are quite uh, they are quite stiff in their delivery. <laughs> it's well, almost like one one's from... training for a fight. <laughs> I gotta say, kid breaking up a hot tag, cutting it off is weird. Not in later years, but here it's weird. At, yeah. one, at, one, at one point, he sends Billy into the ropes and then hunches over for a possible back body drop, but he telegraphed it. So Billy hits the famous sir. Nice! Ding, ding, ding! That's a thing from off of the future! Womp, womp. <laughs> Bart tags in, house of fire, back, body drop. 
we get the ground level sidewinder from the smoking guns, which is impressive because Billy has to jump about four feet into the air in order to get his leg out across one, two, three kids' neck. Anyone else though, to do would the be move. an issue, but but Billy's jump is something else. That man has that man has got springs in his feet. Like when when if he's sliding across the ring or standing upright and doing a leg drop, he's just phenomenal. I want to see him versus Vince Carter in a dunk contest now, just the height he gets. I like how sometimes he just screams out as he's doing it, because like, 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 as if he's shouting, it's going to push him further up. I think Alex Luger is um, his mentor in many ways. Yeah, oh, very much so. <laughs> if you're in the other room and you had no idea what, what someone was watching, you would think it was very vulgar. I like the first week that we were in lockdown. I was asked to do a a voiceover for a friend of mine. Now, my mate, I want to give a shout to my mate Damien St. John, mm-hmm. who uh, recently put together a podcast called Wrestling with the Champ, and it's a uh, a rest, it's a a radio comedy based on wrestling. And he asked me to voice uh, one of the characters for it for an episode. And part of that involved voicing the noises made as I was getting beaten up in a wrestling match. <laughs> and I hadn't, I hadn't prompted Alex that I was doing the voiceover. And the day before, I had to order new blood pressure medication because I'd run out. Oh. And okay. I, so I did the, so I made all the noises like ah, e, uh, all this stuff. Really went for it. <laughs> Alex bursts in, looking terrified. I was like, hello. Jesus Christ, I thought you were having a heart attack. (laughs) I was like, no, I'm fine, I'm alive, it's good. She's like, what are you doing? And I told her what I was doing. I wish you told me. I I thought you were having a heart attack. (laughs) No, it's just the character has thrombosis. Yeah, the the character has heart palpitations. Not me. Oh, wait, hang on. So, fun moment of working at Isolation Station 24601. That's the hazards of um, being grunty. (laughs) Which I believe is your second book. (laughs) The hazards of being grunty. The hazards of being grunty. John, what would that book cover look like? Lex, what does that guy follow with, with the defibrillator paddles? Oh, it's just, he, he, he's instinctive. It's just in case. <laughs> if the grunts have become something more. So at one point, Sean actually, actually admonishes the smoking guns for not going for the pin. And and he and he yells, and I'm quoting here, Cover him, you Rexall Rangers! Don't you want to win? <laughs> that was a good line by Sean. <laughs> There's like a Texas version of Jesse Ventura yelling that. <laughs> I like that line a lot. I liked it a lot. So, so odd time for a commercial off of a double Russian leg sweep. We come back. We have Kid and Billy Gunn in this hard-hitting slugfest at one point. Like they're just teeing off on each other, and the crowd's actually getting into it. This is DX right here, man. And, and, we, and, we, and we will see Road Dog later in the show, and we got Sean on commentary. Christ, almost, we almost have them all here. I think full, nearly a full house of deer. One's on the way in. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah. Holly finally, finally chooses to play heel at this point, hitting Billy in the back on the apron in order to swing the momentum. He tags in. Him and Bart are going at it. And then we get this weird picture-in-picture picture edit. I don't know if you saw this part, because it was about three or four seconds. But when Holly sends Bart into the ropes... At the very bottom of the screen, 
this little frame comes up that shows like their feet from a, a different camera angle. Like they're trying to like edit, but they hit the wrong button apparently. Yeah, I, I, I got the vibe that they were trying to do something live. Yeah, Nate, it's it's I've never seen that before in a show ever, or since I don't think. Very strange. It's just like very rare he's done off the beat. Normally he's too busy just trying to get a thousand zoom ins at one time. Well, it's, it, this is when Dunham's still kind of a good boy. He wasn't quite that bad yet. But we'd get there. He hasn't found his groove yet. <laughs> Holly goes for his for the overhead cam flying splash, gets kicked in the face. Guns pull him into the razor's edge version of the sidewinder. And that gets the finish, but more to it than that. Bob Holly was injured on this move. I didn't realize he was injured. If 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 I if I may do a reading from Bob Holly's uh, memoirs here. Oh, I love a reading from Bob's memoirs. We do them on the SmackDown podcast a couple of times, just because they're normally very generic. So hit us with a read from um, <laughs> the art from of the, the grunt. Truth. The art of the grunt by Bob Holly. <laughs> drop drop the a life of drop kicks by by Bob Holly. <laughs> <clears throat> on the live show at the end of the match I took a move called the Sidewinder where Bart lifted me up onto his shoulder and Billy jumped toward me and hit me with an elbow as Bart dropped me I don't know how it happened but I smashed my head on the canvas and knocked myself out it was the finish of the match anyway and Billy pinned me to win the title when I came to I had no idea where I was it turns out I'd gotten my first wrestling concussion I was able to walk to the back by myself but I was real, con- uh, but I was real confused. Once I got backstage, I couldn't remember wh- where I put my stuff. I didn't know whether I had to go right or left, so I just stood there. Someone came over and asked if I was okay. I said I didn't know where the locker room was. He said, "You're kidding me, right?" I honestly had no idea. We didn't have doctors or trainers backstage back then. Oh, that's interesting. So I could either go to the hospital or get on with it. Pat came over and checked to see if I was all right. He said we're supposed to do. He said we're supposed to do the rematch with the guns in about half an hour, and asked if I could do it. I wasn't going to tell him no. You just didn't say no. After that, it's all a blur. I can't even remember seeing with Billy and Bart to go over the match. I do remember going out there later, and the rest is hazy. Billy told me he could see I had no idea what was going on because I was doing things in the ring for no reason at all. I got really sick the next few days on the road, but that was how it was back then. He didn't complain. He just got on with it. Jeez. So, so Bob got concussed. And then went out 30 minutes later and wrestled again with a concussion. Well, I, I, was, I would assume more than 30 minutes, but still, that's it, didn't, it sure didn't heal in the time it took. Jeez. <laughs> See, I mean, and, like, I know WWE gets a, a, a pasting on the regular lately, and for a lot of the times, damn good reason. But, mm-hmm. you know, you it, you see something like this and it, it's unforgivable. But nowadays, like they are, they are so, the, they're so more cautious. They're much more cautious mm-hmm. with their wrestlers uh, to the point where like, even if they think there might be a concussion, they'll just, they'll take the match home and the mm-hmm. rest will be off the road until they know what the score is. Like but this. they won't explain it publicly. No, they won't put it out there publicly. But the, I'm, I don't mind if they don't. I just, as long as the guys are treated well. That's all the, no, I guess that's, that's the big thing, really. Nah, fair trade, I guess. Mm. But, the, but the thing about this was, because I knew the injury was coming, so when I saw it, you notice Bob's not really getting up as soon as, as, soon as the pinball's registered. He's not doing the over, roll over, pretend to be groggy motions that you would make. Like, no, he's arms kind of dangling in, in their sockets and kid and the referee are checking on him. And 
But it also explains like the the aftermatch bit as well, where they're talking. Mm-hmm. That explains away that too. I just thought he'd forgotten his lines, which I guess he had, but not for the reasons I thought. So the guns win. The, the champions. There's no real celebration. They just kind of get to the back, I guess. We cut to a quick Slim Jim firmer with Bam Bam Bigelow, the suspended Bam Bam Bigelow, suspended without pay. And the, as I'm wondering, how long do these get plugged before Savage fully assumed control and, pro, and brought them to the other company? Oh, it can't be long. It's not long because I certainly don't remember Bigelow or Diesel doing the adverts. We've had, we've had two on the bounce, and apparently, mm. according to Meltzer, it's just going to be Bigelow and Diesel <clears throat> doing them. As I kind of remember Diesel, I did not remember Bam Bam. Uh, again, as you say, especially like we've, we've there's been Bam Bam Bigelow has been more interesting in the first twenty minutes of this show than he has been in a while. Suspended without pay and a public apology from Vince McMahon. He's doing a Slim Jim's commercial or Slim Dim, I think is what he said, um, which is close enough. And they're still tasty. They're still nice. Yeah. So there's um, so there's he's quite he's quite an interesting character right now. Is Bigelow. Well, I mean, you should use Bigelow to a force because how many big men can do what he does? Exactly. And it will do my head in, the fact that we don't get a Bigelow title run in 95. Or at least an attempt at it. There'll be plenty of time to explain why later. Yes. So we cut back to ringside. Vince is now interviewing Kid and Holly, and Holly is on Dream Street. And you can just see he's wincing. He's uh, holding the back of his head a little bit. He's... Kid's not happy about, about the whole, we only had 24 hours before we had to defend the belts. And Vince points out, you know, like, well, you knew that you had to face the guns tonight if you won. And... Vince basically saying, stop being a little bitch. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And Holly gets a few sentences out decently enough. Like, like he's coherent, but he's not really, uh... You see there's no light in his eyes at this point. Yeah, he's away. If Vince cuts him off and just moves on back to Kid again, Kid wants to rematch next week. <laughs> if Bob had the wherewithal, he'd be like, no, no, I don't like Sean, I don't think we can. <laughs> but that doesn't happen. So we go to the Rumble report, which is clearly taped the night before in front of the Rumble set with Todd still wearing his tuxedo. Or they left him in Tampa, one or the other. <laughs> I think they left him there. I think he's still there. I think that was live from the arena. They just locked him in. That was it's, the birth of Rumble Underground. It's just it's just him and um, what's his name in the shower on his 37th clean. <laughs> Who am I thinking of? What's his name? <laughs> Iron Mike Sharp. It's just him and Mike Sharp just having his 37th shower of the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to stay clean. you got to stay clean. Mike Sharp, by the way, Mike Sharp just, just, just desperately cleaned, uh, over cleanly. Um, obsessive compulsive, if you will. Damagingly yes. obsessively compulsive. He'd spent hours showering after a wrestling match. As the stories have indicated, he showered before wrestling matches. He showered during wrestling matches. <laughs> do you think? Um, do you think if he wasn't as hairy, it wouldn't be an issue? Nah, I think it's just a thing you have, whether you're hairy or not. Because I find that when, you, like, if you're hairy, you look like you're always dirty in some areas. <laughs> what are you talking about? Mean Gene looks at. I mean, I mean, George Amosio looks absolutely clean. <laughs> he look, yeah, exactly. <laughs> With the exception of George the Animal, who always looks like he's picking bits of turnbuckle out of his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Not now, George. <laughs> so, uh, we, um, Todd goes on about some of the matches, but we get no, no video and not even any still photos from it. We're talking about Brett and Diesel talking about, uh, 
I'm talking about take your IRS from, and we talk about Razor and Jarrett. But it's just we see the we see the match graphics and, and and come back to Todd just talking about it. It's what a waste of a segment. It was a it was like, just a long segment. This was like a time filling bit for a live one. show. Yeah, seems like like it's filling a lot of time. <laughs> and Todd points out that Brett and Diesel went on and on and on, and, and you and Matthew agree with that assessment, I believe. Yeah, we certainly do. It was quite a long match. <laughs> And it's just the speed of on and on and on. That's what this segment is. No photos, no video, just Todd just telling you how it used to be. It's like, we didn't have wrestling back then, but we had someone who described what wrestling looked like. <laughs> and, and, of course, no, there's no mention of the Rumble match itself, which Sean takes umbrage with, and he's got a, he's got a point. Why wouldn't you bring that match up? That's, 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 that's the main bit. I just, I'm baffled as to why they... Unless they literally just did it so Sean could... Could get that's, his, stick his oar in about it. I mean, that's why they did it, but in, from an overall point of context, it makes no sense that why he would omit that. It suggests to it, me that it, Todd Pettengill's bias against Shawn Michaels. I suppose that could be it, but it's like it's like the, the SmackDown portion of the draft this past week when it's like, okay, you want to split New Day up and have Big E separate from Kofi and Xavier, but. Why are you having Kofi and Xavier go first, separate from Big E, when the point is to make Big E look like the big one of the three? Like, shouldn't Big E be, be picked separately and then have the other brand take the leftovers? I would argue that it's more a case of they picked the champions, not the case that they just picked Kofi and Xavier. They picked the champions to move to Raw. But even then, they could have had all three. Hmm. Do you think it just had more impact by having two-thirds of the New Day go first and then have Xavier in the ring going, come on, say Big E, or say E's name, which I think a few people have gone, whoa, about. <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm on a subject of that, I know we don't talk about 2020, but I like New Day splitting up here. Like, it's not even a split up. It'll just be New Day across two brands. Like, I think Big well, I mean, E will keep the New Day thing for a good long while yet. Well, sure, man. I mean, I'm okay with that. It's you know, you want to make make Biggie a star on his own, which after a six year Roman New Day, that's fine. But the thing about it is, they really went about it in kind of a dumb way. Mm, they could have always done it a touch better. It reminds me of the draft when uh when the Dudley Boys got split. It's like earlier on the draft, you know, the NWO taken together, Billy and Chuck taken together. I want Bubba. Well, then I'll take Devon. What sense does that make? Yeah, that's true. Mind you, I liked what they did on SmackDown following that, where they had the Dudleys challenge Billy and Chuck, and it was just like a, a last chance saloon thing. Like, they've got to win the belts tonight to stay together, and if they don't, they're buggered. And there was that jeopardy going into that. I, I strongly remember that from O2, which I quite liked. I do, yeah, but it's it's just some stuff that just makes no sense when they're, when they're, when they're so keen on one direction. They will move heaven and earth to make it make sense, even though the audience realizes, hey, something's effed here. So uh, at the end of this report, Sean says he's looking for a new bodyguard, someone he could trust. Oh, I hear there's a guy in Smoky Mountain Wrestling who's been uh, shaking off the ring rust lately, Sean. That's right, Tracy Smothers. Tracy Smothers. <laughs> Sonny. <laughs> Hang in there, Tracy. We're all pulling for you. <laughs> yeah, big love, Tracy Smothers. But yeah, so this is, this is a... a uh, a harbinger of uh, the return to the WWF of a of a former WrestleMania main eventer. 
I can't how they get Mr. T back like that. <laughs> I, actually, I wish it was Paul Orndorff. <laughs> oh, that'd have been that'd have been fun. Who could you? Who would you? Oh, it would be the most outlandish person that WF could have got hold of at this time point to be Shawn Michaels' bodyguard. Probably Tracy Smothers or Paul Orndorff. Timothy Well. Timothy. Oh my God. <laughs> Please welcome my my bodyguards. Well done. God. <laughs> Timothy Well and Dolph Ziggler. Well off. <laughs> well, I guess we're not getting pushed again. <laughs> so, and then we learned that for some reason Roddy Piper's calling into this show. Yeah, That's we haven't heard from Piper in, in forever. It seems weird that suddenly Piper's there again. Since he beat Jerry Lawler and had to give some of his some of his money to the kids' hospital, all of it or some of it, we never quite figured that out. Well, it was some of it because because the other part of it went to that sports book that, that, that he had money to. <laughs> he thought the generals were due. I love that from Piper in the run-up to King of the Ring last year. Piper doing those videos, sending the video going, we're going to fight and all the money is going to go to the kids. And then Todd having to backtrack because Vince is like, don't, you've got to tell him, tell him that's not, oh yeah, well, uh, some of the money is going to kids' charities. And then Piper the next week going on the video, it's all going to the kids. Like, Piper, you got to stop saying that, mate. I think we're in trouble if you tell them that all the money is going to the kids because it's not. It'd be about a dollar just to make a point <laughs> <laughs> ah. love piper <laughs> just eccentric and he is beautifully eccentric in just a moment speaking of eccentric we have a random shot of bret hart with william shatner as they left the ring on last week's show oh just a little to... stinger just a little stinger they did that with um uh oh gosh the actor he was drunk at wrestlemania 10 burt reynolds. burt reynolds they had they had a couple of stingers of him doing that they dropped in last year i think any time a celebrity says raw they will just chuck it in regardless of quality it's like a botch mania intro it is in it. Hi, hi this is william shatner you are watching botch mania insert title music from Mega Man 3 <laughs> so Shatner says he says to the camera as Brett kind of r- smiles wryly he goes what a tag team combination Tech War and Monday Night Raw of course he says Tech War first <laughs> that's what I got of course he does according to Meltzer the, uh, the locker room was very negative on Shatner everybody said he just came across as an arsehole well then <laughs> well done Sh- should have got Sulu. <laughs> that would have been fantastic. <laughs> or Spock. Well, oh, Spock. <laughs> you, could have had, you could have had Leonard Nimoy. And at the end of at the end of Bret Hart versus Jarrett, he goes, well, my work here is done. And Bret goes, you didn't do anything. Did I? <laughs> Didn't I? <laughs> and then Spock wrestles Vader and loses his ear in the ropes. <laughs> <clears throat> I just want to see George Takei on Monday Night Raw. That'd be flipping amazing. Well, Burger King, I find you to be long-winded. That'd be a hell of a promo, at least. IRS versus Buck Quartermain. And boy, they can't cut away from this match fast enough for for the Piper phone call. They really can't, because they they know. They know it's, it's, it's IRS who's... 
he's IRS and Buck Quartermain in there. Now, at the start of this match, does something happen to Buck Quartermain's eye? I didn't, I didn't notice because I was too busy listening to Piper's uh, phone call. Because, <laughs> like, right at the start of this match, like, you see Buck getting a little bit of offense, and then he stops, and then he checks his eye, and, like, he hits the ground holding his eye. I didn't see IRS do anything to his eye. <laughs> I mean, so, I guess something could have happened. I just didn't really notice it. You were too busy, like, say, listening to Piper and not looking at IRS. Yeah, IRS, who, has to, who now has the giant urn, still has the druids with him. This is it's like when they gave Duggan like 800 different gimmicks at once. You know, here's a two by four. Now put an eagle on it. Now carry the flag. Now wear a crown. It's, it's just keep getting Iris stuff to bring out anything. <laughs> yeah. Piper says in the midst of his phone call, and this is a direct quote. I was Rod before Rod was cool. <laughs> this is like some sort of a. I don't even know how to describe it. I was Rod before Rod was cool. What does that mean? I was Rod before Rod... What would... It's like Lou Reed poetry. Is he a pretzel rod? What was... (laughs) (laughs) Tom, did you have a stroke? Was it a case... uh, No, what it was... Because he wasn't saying... Because uh, he, he buggered up the syllable thing, basically. Because he was trying to claim that the first syllable of Roddy was raw. Which uh, it I... is only... if It only is if you pronounce Roddy, Rawdy. <laughs> which which approximately zero humans do. Correct. Um, so it, uh, that's why he was... Uh, he was associated... That's, that's what he was trying to do. I think. But it was very, very... Buggered. <laughs> he could have done many other things to, to to tie in Raw to himself, but this was this was not the way. Oh yes, he. Uh, it was not good. It was, it's like the Jack Handy bit. It's like to understand mankind, we must split the word ups into mank and eind. What do they mean? It's a mystery, such as the mystery of mankind. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a, a messy, messy bit of sentence structure. <laughs> yes. Uh, Piper's very uh, esoteric here. He's like, um, he's an enigma smothered in secret sauce. <laughs> so he's going on. He's putting over the new generation, says he's proud. He asks Vince if he's if he's new or old generation. And Vince kind of goes, oh, I'm somewhere in the middle. <laughs> kind of oh, response. yeah. That was, a, that was a, a line, a similar line that Hogan used when he was asked if he was a Democrat or a Republican when he was running. He said, oh, I'm kind of in the middle right now. I'm a Hulkamaniac, brother. I mean, if he'd said that, I'd have voted. <laughs> the, the Hulkamania party. <laughs> Join the Hulkamania party, dude! Yeah. Um, so so as, as all this is going on, Quartermain almost went with a sunset flip. Then Iris hits this really wonky-looking version of the write-off that just feels like a transition move. And that ends the match. There you go. You know, Piper's still going on, says Sean was a good kid once, now he's, now he's, he's a jerk! Uh, this goes on. It was a thing, it happened. Yeah, Piper just banging on, like you say, just just shouting down the phone. Calling. He called him Cher, which I thought was quite funny. Um, well, Vince did too. And he plugs Encore Plus. They're plugging the Encore Plus, the Royal Rumble. An Encore Plus, by the way. It's basically the Rumble, with, a, with an extra interview and Roddy Piper inserts. Oh, so it's just like bumper segments with Roddy. Yeah, that's why it's called an Encore what? Plus. 
Why couldn't we have this on the actual Rumble itself? Well, why couldn't Piper be in the Rumble instead of, like, I don't know, Montoya or something? Or Doink? That would have been amazing. Have, have Piper come out. Get a good run in there. Give a couple of people an eye poke. Hoy out one of the Eli brothers, one of the, one of the blue brothers, and then get the Eli brothers. The Eli, and then, <laughs> they all. <laughs> which one are you? Um, one of the one of the blue brothers, and then have um, Rodney Dangerfield chuck him out over the top. Oh, Piper versus Murdoch in '95 would have been a treat. <laughs> hey, I've been told to pay the Piper, but I've only got three bucks. <laughs> uh, no respect. <laughs> oh yes, will the man in the skirt step up and fight me? Oh yes. <laughs> for, for, I, I still maintain WC Fields is more is, is more akin for Murdoch than Roddy Dangerfield is. Yeah, he probably is. <laughs> but I can do a better Rodney Dangerfield than a WC Fields. <laughs> Well, I'll do I'll I'll do Fields then. You, you be Danger, I'll be Fields. Hey, Roddy, you say you're from Scotland. They call it the Highland. Uh, last time I was high, it was during the seventies before I met the wife. Oh, no respect. Oh yes, will the imitation Scotsman please step up for a round of fisticuffs? <laughs> oh yes. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We go to a video for another debuting superstar. It's not Kama, it's somebody else now. We have oh, Man no. Mountain Rock. Yes, Man Mountain Rock's coming in, baby. Now, for those of you who don't know who Man Mountain Rock is, just a short time ago, he was in WCW as part of the tag team division. He was known as Max Payne. He's this big, monstrous guitar-playing badass who looks frightening. He was Max Payne, he did who could play the guitar and did so as part of his own entrance. And he just looks like a freak. Just someone you... Like, he looks like a giant Sammy Callahan at that point. <laughs> just a brawler who teamed with Cactus Jack and had one hell of a fight with the Nasty Boys at Spring Stampede 94. But he left the company. Now he's Man Mountain Rock, and as we will soon see, they will take all the cool factor out of Max Payne. For one thing, why would you change his name? Max Payne's an awesome name. It's WWE want to own the name, don't they? Well, yes. Do you want five Man. amazing facts about Max Payne? Does one of them include the video he shot backstage and got beaten up for? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, that was the one. <laughs> um, 
His first WrestleMania was WrestleMania 2. Max Payne... Explain. ...worked for the WWF in 1986. Uh, he was used as a runner and a stagehand for WrestleMania 2. He was one of the people who put the ring, the steel cage up, the big blue bar cage, Justin, for oh, Bundy wow. versus Hogan at Mania 2. I genuinely enjoyed that fun fact because I did not know that. There you go. And he, 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 a couple of years later, he ended up in New Japan doing stuff in there. Uh, fact number mm -hmm. two, the, the name came from Pepsi Cola. Pepsi, really? Yes. Pepsi Max. Pepsi Max, yeah, because it was named after it was named after Max Headroom, and uh, they added the extra X at uh, the suggestion of a friend, I guess, just to stop people from getting on his back about it. A name that he loved so much and was so revered, he ended up suing Rockstar over it. Uh, That's about right. Five years ago, more than five years I didn't, ago, probably. I didn't. I did hear about that, the Max Payne video game. Yeah, so not very happy. End up setting it out of court, got a load of money out of it, which is why we haven't seen him very much. He's sorted. Um, he's formed his own promotion in the early 90s. Go on. He had a wrestling promotion that he set up um, back home, which, which was where guys like Louis Spicoli got a first run out. So he had a ah. couple of people. There'll be a few people that will come through those doors, but Louis Spicoli would be the most notable one. However, um, a lot of people that wrestled for him ended up going off to WCW and WWF and other places. So he ended up shutting down the promotion, and he got a job with Word Perfect, which I believe was a word processing uh, bit of software. So he was working as a, I believe, as a behind the scenes on that project. I believe. Mm -hmm. um, fact number four. He got a phone call from Chris Benoit that led him to wrestle in Germany, during which time he won the CWA Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship, defeating British wrestling legend Giant Haystacks, a.k.a. Wow. Loch Ness from WCW. I'll tell you this, Hulk Hogan, well, I'm going to come after you in a minute. And... Uh... <laughs> Somewhere there, somewhere there are people on this planet that have seen Max Payne versus Giant Haystacks. Lucky bastards. I know, right. And then the aforementioned footage that got him beaten up. Um, tell, you tell the story on this one, because what I've got is that uh, it was footage backstage of sort of substance abuse and the like within WWF footage that if it was released could probably expose WWF at this point. Well, there was a documentary that he was supposed to be putting out called The Real Max Payne. It was um, – it had to be 2004 where she was trying to release it. It was just home video footage he shot backstage of a tour of Europe in the fall of 95. It was just him just recording random stuff. Some of it was kind of funny and wholesome. There's like people like DiBiase and Whale of Mercy just saying funny stuff to the camera. But some of it showed Diesel with like a handful of like bottles of pills hanging out on the bus and laughing about just how much drugs he had and all the gimmicks and – it, aren't the trailers still out there somewhere? But one one of the real damning things about it was just showing the deterioration of Louis Spicoli, who was Rad Radford at the time, just showing him to be like in a very adult state, and and just it didn't paint the locker room lifestyle back then as being all that pleasant and all and all that uh, warm and caring, so to speak. Hang on, is this still out there? Because that because that was an, I remember watching that trailer and just like being. Um, and just enraptured by it because it was just oh it's still out there it's on YouTube the trailer oh nice yeah it's um and apparently he got his ass beat for it and he wasn't alone for the company after that and it's kind of easy to understand why 
you wouldn't want to keep him around. Well, there you go. I mean, it's a lot of sensitive footage in there. Mm-hmm. So this is the guy who's on his way in. A little bit of a around the houses tour of Max Payne, aka Man Mountain Rock. What could possibly go wrong? Well, as you will soon see, they would take any cool factor out of a big heavyweight badass playing guitar. Like, imagine, imagine if Jack Black or Shakespeare had like Bam Bam Bigelow's size and was like, and was and was a school of rock character, but more badass. That was Max Payne. Exciting. Well, it's like it's the opposite of Doctor Evil, Vince, in a sense. Remember when um, Scott Evil was talking about trying to open a pet store and he goes, an evil pet store? You always do this, Dad! <laughs> Just the adding opposite. evil on the end of everything. <laughs> and I'm going to be a heavy metal guitar player. A wholesome heavy metal guitar player? You always do this, Vince! <laughs> just takes the edge out of everything. It just dilutes it. You know what? It's just sometimes we just want to drink neat juice. We don't want to dilute it. <laughs> we just want to drink blood, and that's what Max Payne did. <laughs> We'll, we'll see a blood drinker later on the show, but in the meantime, we have King's Courtroom Jeff Jarrett. And this is so screwed up that we see Lawler get his entrance before the segment, go to commercial, come back. Jarrett gets the jobber entrance for King's Court, and he's the Intercontinental Champion. How do they bug, How do they botch this up then? Well, it's ninety-five WBF. I have low expectations for them. That's very true. <laughs> Anything could happen. So we get, so Jared, he he undoes his jacket to show the Intercontinental title, but the shot is ruined because the fan holds his toy belt up in front of the Intercontinental <laughs> belt. <so. laughs> Which would you rather have as IC champion, Justin? Who is well, the, who is your real IC champion? I mean, if that kid, if that kid was Sami Zayn, probably him. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, on a Monday Night Raw at this point, from its inception '93 to where we are today, it's been fairly common to see two Intercontinental Championships just knocking about. Well, yeah, he should have a lead. Are you suggesting they should have a ladder match to determine the real champion? Yes, Jarrett versus Kid. Yes, not one, two, three, Kid, but that Kid. That Kid in the crowd. <laughs> Not a kid, not Tyson kid, but this kid. <laughs> not not my kid, not that kid, this kid. <laughs> so Vince didn't laugh at that part. I, he, he probably did find it amusing, I'm not going to lie. Vince just just dunks on Jarrett in this. <laughs> like, his, he thought his dad was going to run the company. I was found not guilty, pal. <laughs> so Jarrett says he'll give Razor a rematch, which is kind of uncharacteristic for a heel to say. He, he somehow bungles the word ingredient. Ingredient. <laughs> and that's what Vince just, zones, Vince just zooms in on that, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Vince is just all happy to give him to make Jarrett look stupid. <laughs> Jarrett says the only thing missing is the world title. And then, so, so obviously he has designs on winning the, the big belt now. And Vince. 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 Of all people says how greedy can you be <laughs> and i just thought well <laughs> suppose anything's possible do tell us vince how greedy can you be turns out quite greedy <laughs> yeah this was just a very there king's court with Jarrett and Lawler. And it's with Jarrett, like, it's funny because what you say there, like, the, the heel set in the, set in the table is 
it's something that on the SmackDown podcast that we've been talking a lot about with Triple H and how Triple H is trying is painting himself as this this cocksure but skilled heel and it'll be him that will go rock i want to give you a rematch and rock we're gonna ha- we're gonna have an iron man match and if it and, and if you don't if i if it's a draw then you retain the title like it's the it's the heel being magnanimous when really this should be the heel who should be like i'm ducking all competition and especially jeff jarrett yeah especially jarrett i don't buy that jarrett is going to win all the belts come on you got the ic title and and you're notoriously not massively over so let's just cut our losses now this was tna i could see it I go, like, well, of course I'm challenge for the world title he's, he's, i'm gobsmacked that the first running. person to win all the belts in tna wasn't jeff jarrett <laughs> We have a plug for WWF Mania on Saturday. We're covering the opening of ticket sales in Hartford. Oh, that's wholesome. I can't wait to get up early on Saturday to watch this. That's good footage, though. That's I mean, you don't I mean, you don't build the show around it. But like, I love stuff like that where you you just you can just see people queuing for your you have the you have the ability to make like 95 i'm fascinated by the year 95 because it is such a horrible year but they they try so hard so hard to make chicken salad out of chicken shit they try so hard and you see it in things like his clips of celebrities endorsing us look at these fans queuing outside the hartford civic center to get wrestlemania tickets it's the hot ticket in town they try so hard this year i hope 10 3 a.m because because i've I never seen this show, so I I, I have no idea what what, what aired on. I, I know Taker, Paul Bearer, DiBiase, and Sean Ross was a part of it. I hope what happened was at ten o three in the morning, <laughs> a scalper walked by with a wheelbarrow whistling, <laughs> <laughs> and that was the whole show. <laughs> so like, well, I guess we're done here. But yeah, show some show some clips of Man Mount Rock or something. As we get, a, as we then say, we into a plug for, 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 for Mania 11. They play the old Mania song for one of the last times, I assume. So must enjoy it while they, while we can. It's before changing. It's a Linda's theme. Oh, I'm looking forward to the era of Linda's theme. I mentioned Linda, so Jen. So a gen out there just twitched, apparently. <laughs> Someone's talking about Linda. <laughs> she suddenly had a cold snap as she's uh, as she as she as she finishes off her third bottle of Bucks fast. She <laughs> think and 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 starts planning what she's gonna have for breakfast. She um she has a little cold snap. Oh, is somebody talking about Linda? <laughs> I'll fight you, Jen. <laughs> We love you, Jen. I'll fight you, Jen. <laughs> I don't know why I'm trying to get this meme over. But, like, I want to fight Nobody Jen. Nobody believes it. Nobody believes Nobody... it. It's like trying to make Fetch happen. Nobody believes it. No one will ever believe that you two will ever fight. No. Or that you could fight. But I kind of feel like that if we ever did, it would be like the most gory, gruesome, cinematic match you've ever seen in your life. 
You're the Donnie and Marie of internet wrestling. It would be like, right, it, we are, but if we were to fight, it would be like um, Beulah McGillicuddy and, and Fonz. And Fonzie. <laughs> are you saying that Jen would bust you open and you'd almost die because you, you bladed too deep? Yes. I, I can see that happening, actually. <laughs> Vince has the uh, has the balls to say this is unquestionably the greatest WrestleMania of them all. But again, it's that try-hard spirit in '95 where the like, where the world is falling apart, and like it's it's like it's like if you're if you're trying to cons- you're trying to hide something like you're. Which I think what a good example. I'll tell you what is a good example, right? The curtains falling down in the living room, and and mm-hmm. you're and you've just had a shower, so you're naked, so you're desperately trying to hold the curtain up. Whilst holding your towel up at the same time, that's what's trying to happen here. They're trying desperately to hide, like how how much how on fire this company is. Well, when you say on fire, you know, you don't mean like you know selling like hotcakes. We mean the other one. No, fire, it's burning right? to the ground. <laughs> Burn it down. <laughs> like I, I realize Vince can't say. Uh, it's gonna be a decent show, probably not as good as last year's, but because you know, he has to sell like it's gonna be, he, he's got to put hyperbole into this. But goddamn, in hindsight, that sounds stupid. <laughs> Next week we have Mabel versus King Kong Bundy in an over-the-top challenge and a, and a tag team title match. So this is gonna be fun. Way, I'm excited. Speaking of of you being excited. British Bulldog versus the Black Phantom. Yay! Bulldog back when he cared. The Rockets' red glare. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I should point out that these two men were on opposite teams at, at the 99 Survivor Series. <gasps> they were, were they? <laughs> yes. It's like, how did... Okay, like, like I, I realized he was much cooler as Gangrel, the Black Phantom. For those of you who don't know, the Black Phantom is, is David Heath, a.k.a. Gangrel, a.k.a. Vampire Warrior. Gangrel, while completely awesome and, and underrated as a performer, was a bit doughier than what we're seeing here with the Black Phantom. Mm-hmm. Black Phantom was ripped. How did this man not get a job then? I know we've said it before, but it bears repeating. How did he not get hired and say, "We'll find something for you"? Yeah, he it's a mystery go. in it. Like he's he's got the skill. Like you could have made David Heath the Man of War. You, you could have done better than that. <laughs> I mean, you got you got PJ Polacco doing it. You know, you could, there's no reason why you couldn't have had somebody else of American extraction doing it. Look at that Gangrel in 95. Do you think they would have done Gangrel in 95? A vampire? I mean, so look what we had. We had a teacher. We had a trash man. Of course we could have had a freaking vampire. But, you, but the difference is, right, okay, Gangrel in 95 would not have been Gangrel in 98, right? That's no no fire ring entrance. No spitting blood. I guarantee you, if we'd had Gangrel in 95, I guarantee you he'd have had wings. Okay, fair point. And they would have done a thing. They would have. Vince would have tried to do an entrance. I know Vince at this point. I'm so in Vince's brain in the mid '90s. They would have had Gangrel <laughs> wrestle his match, have the lights go out. When they come back on, they let a bat loose, and okay, Gangrel's nowhere to be seen. And Vince's like, "Oh, he turned into a bat." <laughs> See, and then you bring Ozzy in, and then Ozzy bites it. 
Gangrel dead! Let's go to the Slim Jim commercial. <laughs> That's here right now for a wellness violation. <laughs> <laughs> they okay, would so have done it. I guarantee you that's what Vince would have done. Dear listeners, this is your homework. What would Gangrel have been like with the sanitized new generation mindset? If you want to add pictures certainly do so at JRH writing on Twitter at Tom Campbell on Twitter John this is homework for you too <laughs> by all means so Bulldog mouth off to Sean Sean fakes crying or as, as ever fakes losing his smile <laughs> Phantom jumps because Bulldog is stupid Sean gets off a great line here where he says don't blame me for my superior athletic ability and your stupidity <laughs> he's right though he's, he's absolutely right <laughs> And Black Phantom Gangrel hits this great jumping DDT that should have gotten him a contract right then Looks and there. stunning. My God. Better than Arthur. Better than... IRS is on the books with that write-off. <laughs> Not counting 123 Kid with the uh, as playing the pseudo-jobber who gets hired as the underdog. This is the best jobber we've seen on, in two years on the show. I think Vince Black struggles Phantom. to see beyond Black Phantom is the thing. I don't think he sees Black Phantom as a gimmick, but I don't think he sees beyond that with David Heath. And and, and, and it's BS because this guy has all the tools you need to be mm-hmm. something on this roster. Mm-hmm. In, including, a, as, as noted before, a great physique that Vince should have been Gaga for. Boyle gets a delayed suplex. And then we come to a point of the match because I'm enjoying the squash. It's a three-minute match. It's, and Boyle's giving David Heath a lot here. Uh, I'm guessing they wanted him to get hired. It just didn't happen. And the guys, because guys were willing to sell for him. But there's a really dumb part here where we have to establish that Sean is a heel. And, and, and how we do that is we go back to the rumble finish from the night before where Sean narrowly avoided elimination by holding onto the ropes. One of his feet hits the floor and he swings wildly about like wind chimes until he gets his legs back up on the apron and pulls himself to safety which is one of the best Rumble moments in history. And then he runs in and knocks Bulldog out while Bulldog is celebrating his non-victory. Vince accuses Sean of being sneaky. Like, not just playfully, like, ah, I think you, you're a little sneaky there when you did that, Sean. That's like, like, how, like, how could you do that? Avoid elimination like that and then sneak in and knock Bulldog out. You're, you're a phony winner, Sean. <laughs> it's because the heel can't ever do anything cool. The heel always has to be brought back to reality. Yes. And it's it, it's pretty stupid how they do this because it's like what Sean did, even even someone who hates Sean and is pulling for Diesel at Mania would agree, all right, that was pretty savvy on his part, what he did. That's very impressive, and he's going to get Diesel fits because he's, he's very smart and very skilled. And now, we, now we've been trying to turn it into somehow Sean cheated to win the Rumble. <laughs> Because we're afraid he might get cheered. Yeah, they have to. I noticed that. Like, Sean didn't really cheer. He held on to the bottom rope. No, he's what he did was smart and 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 resourceful, and it demonstrated how talented he is. And because they're so afraid that they're going to boo Diesel and cheer Sean, and justifiably so, that this is what they've resorted to. It's not a good sign, is it? No, it's not the best of stuff. It's not the... Uh... Well, it's, it's, it's all they got. They've just got to work with what they got. And I guess that Vince is... Would you would you have made Sean the baby face in 95 and just, just owned it? 
it's it, it's too late now. I mean, they're going into Mania that way, but after Mania, it's going to change. But it's not going to be until sort of late '97 where Vince really gets behind the idea of this guy acts like a dickhead, but he's beloved. So let's just keep doing that. Like they make everybody wholesome. You, as you mentioned during the Mad Max thing, like Diesel mm. is now wholesome. And mm. I don't think they could have done a nuanced Shawn Michaels pseudo face. Well, you wouldn't have to change much. You just make Shawn an irritant to the bad guys, but you don't change anything else. But yeah, it's but they in '96 like they they desperately try and make him, and it works. He gets over like and people because people want to cheer him. But they like they bring in Jose Lothario to to yeah. to make him more wholesome. Like they can't they can't fathom the idea that Shawn Michaels is just always a cocky prick, but he's just a face now. And like the people cheer him even though he is a cocky prick. They can't let that happen. They can't fathom that. It is Steve Austin that breaks the mold with that. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna say this company got so lucky they didn't screw Austin up. And in hindsight, it's like I don't know who got in the Vince's head that just let Austin be Austin and don't change anything. But thank God they did that. Yeah, I'm I'm ex- I'm excited to hear that conversation and hear like what changed in Vince's head that made him go. Like Vince at this point would have gone, hey, Steve Austin's getting over. Let's bring him in. Let's show him everyone what a family man he is and how great he is. And you're like, no, you don't need to. What happened? I'll, t- I'll tell you what happened. He was getting his dick stomped in on Monday nights. That's what happened. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, Sean as a babyface should have been like Captain Jack Sparrow. Good like analysis. Good. I like, <laughs> like that. Like, like he's the good guy, but he's kind of an asshole. Yeah, he's an ass. But he's like, <laughs> but he's these the leader of the generation. It's just like it's the idea of having Diesel as a bad guy champion and having all the faith in Shawn Michaels, who clearly is just like a a, a, a cocksure dickhead. But there is that element of jeopardy to it, where it's like, oh god, so Shawn's steering the ship. That's steering the ship. The guy dancing around the wheel. Like that's a great it's a great stance. He's a douchebag with a moral compass. Yeah. Exactly. That's what it should be. But anyway, we won't get that. Yeah. So the match ends when, when Black Phantom misses a diving something. I'm not exactly sure what it was. Bulldog gets a power slam, and that's that. Uh, good showing from the Black Phantom here, although the Sean commentary kind of precedent here. And then we come to a rather odd choice for an ending segment. Because we're still going on about the whole Lawrence Taylor, Bandman, Bigelow incident. And as part of his suspension, Bigelow has to show contrition. So he, he's going to appear to give to give some sort of public apology to LT for what happened. Now, you'd expect this to be Bannon saying, I'm not sorry for what I did because he pissed me off, so I knocked him on his ass. Should be something along those lines, right? Mm-hmm. You would think. Tom, you okay there? Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm waiting for you to explain what actually happened because I know what happened. Okay, so... We cut the Bigelow, who's apparently in his posh home. Nice-looking house, it's by the way. lovely house. And, and you know what? He looks great. He looks like a decent heel here. He dressed like a minister. <laughs> it's a good look. <laughs> Yo, I now pronounce you husband and wife. <laughs> John, can we have Bam Bam Bigelow presiding over the wedding, over a wedding, please? 
Hey, don't bring that snake to the reception. <laughs> I, know, I know you, Jake. Batman will be an awesome minister. <laughs> Proud Italian. And he will be a masculine son. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great look. <laughs> it is. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm laughing at my impression there. I, I, I know I can kind of do Bam Bam. <laughs> it's a great impression. I'm gonna tattoo that pretty little thing in the ring. <laughs> Just doing the baptism. I don't know why it's funny. Uh, anyway, so John, Bam Bam baptism. Thank you. <laughs> so we have some sort of audio difficulties here because Bigelow can't hear Vince. Vince is trying to throw it to him for this little uh, little PR thing they had to do. Bigelow can't hear Vince. Like, uh, I'm waiting all night here. <laughs> I gotta dunk this baby's head into water. <laughs> the thing is, Bigelow got dressed up for this. He's just standing there waiting for something to happen. Nothing's happened because he can't hear Vince, so he can't, he can't hear the cue to make the apology. We cut back to ringside. We have the plug for next week's Mabel Bundy two-man Royal Rumble. Oh, Sean, or Sean says, the Blubber Boys are in action. That's a way to, way to kill your two big lads there with a line Sean, like that. Like but Sean again, it's, short, it's very Sean. We plug the tag title rematch, which Bob Holly will not be 100% for. <laughs> Vince asked about Sean about comma. Sean says comma chameleon. Just Sean's on the good stuff this week, I think. Come, 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 chameleon. <laughs> and our parting shot, we go back to Bigelow, who still can't hear us. Effort and scene. Well, I think the Bigelow thing went wrong. It seems like it went wrong. Like, I don't think it was meant... Was this live? Yes. There was obviously meant to be, like, I think we were meant to get, as you said, the whole, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I didn't do it sooner, <laughs> uh, type thing from Bigelow. I don't think we were going to get an apology. I just, but I think obviously something buggered up and they had to just bin that segment off and wrap it up for the night. Uh, I think part of it was just, I think that was actually part of the thing is, um, maybe they wanted to be ambiguous, like, the, the, for the people who thought it was real. Mm. You know, it's like, well, we're not going to have him apologize, but we're going to do something that's, um, say, oh, well, well, he was going to apologize, but we just had issues. Uh. Unless they're just, they're just stretching it. Yeah, maybe. It's just a weird, a- ambiguous thing. The weird way to stretch maybe it. Maybe we'll go somewhere. I guess we'll see. Maybe it goes to wrestle. No, that'd be, that'd be stupid. Eyes. Uh, <laughs> well, they did what they did, and that was raw. There you go. Not look, I, and as I as I said, like before we started recording, and the, I think at the beginning of this episode, I think I said it as well. Like I know ninety five is is a bad year, but they they are lulling me into quite the false sense of security overall. But but there's still glimmers of what's bad about it, including the the shoehorning of trying to keep Sean a heel. Yeah, it's not perfect by any stretch, but like. It's not terrible. The tag match I thought was really good, and that was a big. That was like half the show was that tag match. Oh, sure, it was a great match. Unfortunately, someone got hurt at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And it's for all the good stuff there are. There's stuff that there are bigger things that they could be doing a lot better, and that's going to be an overriding theme throughout the year. Unfortunately. Yeah. 
exactly. But uh, that is for another time. Don't forget your homework uh, is to uh, tell us what Gangrel would be like during the new generation era. You can use pictures if you want to. Um, you, you, you draw stick figures. We don't care. Yep. No matter how good a drawer you are, please just offer those up to us and where you can offer them is to him at jrh writing or me at tom campbell or together at cultaholic on twitter we will speak to you next week don't forget to join us <sighs> swear to god vince will make him turn into a flipping bat love you guys for all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.